everyone. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, The Shift. I'm Shay Candish, the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association's Assistant General Secretary and the host of this show. Aged care is shaping up to be a major issue in this coming election. It's been branded as a referendum on aged care, with both major parties having vastly different visions for the future of this sector. However, for many of our members, the crisis in aged care has been years in the making and their fight to fix the ongoing aged care crisis has been going on for far too long. Today, I'm so excited to be joined by Jocelyn Hoffman. Jocelyn's a registered nurse working in an aged care facility in the Blue Mountains. Jocelyn's a nurse with over 40 years experience and has been an aged care activist for over a decade. She's also a branch official and a counsellor of the association. Thanks for joining me today, Jocelyn. Thank you for this opportunity, Shay. No, it's so exciting to have you. So look, can you just start off by telling us a bit about yourself, Jocelyn? Uh, what brought you to nursing? Talk to us a bit about your specialty and why uh, you chose aged care. Right, okay. I, um, I studied Bachelor of Science in Medical Technology years ago in the Philippines and I reached third year and I only needed hematology before I could have done my internship. And I had this opportunity to come overseas and do nursing. And that's really um, what I want to do is nursing. I just, um, you know, when you're at that age where you don't, you don't know what you're going to do and you just rely on other people's advice. But I really wanted to do nursing and I had that opportunity. So I grabbed it. I, I passed this. So I did my nursing over here. And um, I did my nursing in St. Vincent's Hospital. It was a big shock coming from a protected environment in the Philippines and going to Darlinghurst, doing my shopping at Coles. <laughs> Talk to me about that sort of culture shock. What was it like for you? It was quite interesting, a bit gobsmacking, frightening sometimes when you hear these loud voices of, interesting people and all I want to do is do, shop, do my shopping um, but, but it was it's a very good I really enjoyed my journey uh, from then on I um, yeah, did my nursing at St. Vincent's uh, did a bit at um, West Ride and then moved to Ride and then had a family and we decided to move up here in the beautiful Blue Mountains and that's it I've been in aged so care since and so when you were working through West Ride and uh, Vinnie's Hospital, what sort of nursing were you doing at that time? General nursing. Yeah. Yeah, general nursing and um, just go, being moved from orthopedic to all different areas. And yeah. aged care was my, my first experience in aged care was when I moved to the Blue Mountains and I loved it. And I haven't budged since. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you think that kind of exposure um, in the acute system helped you to work out that you wanted to go into aged yes. care? Yes, yeah. yes. It's opened my eyes and that's where my heart is in aged care. Yeah. yeah. So talk to me about how long have you been working in aged care? What's it been like and what have you seen? Right. I've been there since 1987. So I have seen the effects of um, legislation that politicians put in there and let, you know, they make such a big difference in people's lives. That's why we have to be politically uh, tuned in because in those days, um, 
I, I've seen what happened before the Age Care Act and after John Howard's Age Care Act, where uh, age care has become privatized, deregulated, and look what has become of it. It mm. is so heartbreaking. So, so we might just dig into that a little bit. Yep. You know, from my perspective as an emergency nurse, I often didn't understand why residents came into the emergency department in the state that they were in. And I, you know, I remember talking to the ambulance officers about like, you know, I've got this patient that's come in with a respiratory rate of, I don't know, 26. Yeah. They've got no oxygen on, they're slumped over, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. And since coming to work at the association, I understand now yes. that the staffing is so terrible that yes. people you know the registered nurses who have that clinical um assessment capacity and really critical thinking mm. are so few and far between which mm. I just didn't understand as a registered yes. nurse working in an emergency department yeah. it, it just I had no idea yeah when, when I see see this erosion of care standards that is what triggered me to where I am now being a loud activist because what's happening now is so degrading um the care standards that should it, it shouldn't matter whether you're you know one year old or 80 years old you should be treated the same with medical attention and yeah. removing registered nurses in aged care is cruel because if registered nurses were in aged care facilities we're the ones there who assess uh, our residents, we know them very well, and we know before they get to that critical stage, we then uh, do the interventions before they get very ill. For example, uh, if they're showing signs of infection, we can treat that on the floor straight away. It doesn't matter if there's no doctors on the floor because we can give them a call. Yeah. So we go through the assessment skills, we can get the medication over the phone, and that's what the registered nurses can do. We can get phone orders over the phone. We mm. just give the symptoms to the doctor, and um, then we then escalate it so our resident gets treated straight away. So then it doesn't go into the delirious stage where it can be a matter of life and death. And that's the challenge, right? Yeah. For that intervention, you need to have a registered nurse. Exactly. And so many facilities don't have registered yeah. nurses on site 24 hours a day, yeah. which was another thing I didn't know. Yeah. So just digging in a bit, yeah. um, for listeners that might not be familiar with aged care, yeah. the um, the political policy you were talking about of John Howard's era uh, yeah. really was where we saw the change in yeah. staffing funding, wasn't it? Yeah. Because what yeah. we used to have was a staffing arrangement called CAM-SAM, yes. and that was basically a way of making sure that taxpayers' money was tied to care. So exactly. if a facility received a certain amount of money, yeah. a portion of that had to be tied to care and yeah. the care that was provided. Yeah. And the policy of John Howard's era lifted that requirement yeah. and allowed for um, the providers of aged care to determine where and how they spend taxpayers' money. Yeah. And really from that point, what we've seen is a... Uh, really privatised model, particularly yeah. in New South Wales. It's become yeah. quite lucrative for yeah. lots of um, big corporate companies to get involved in aged care. They yeah. attract a lot of federal uh, taxpayer funding yeah. and they're not required to be accountable for how that's spent. Exactly. And so over the years, we've seen this deterioration 
of the number of staff that are provided. And in some instances, we don't have registered nurses in facilities 24 hours a day. Yeah. Some of them only have nurses weekdays or you know um, morning shift, uh, usually the shifts that attract the, the least amount of payment, you know, no penalty shifts, et cetera. Yeah. So it makes it really challenging to provide that continuity 24 hours that the residents need and the consequence, I think, of what you were talking about when a registered nurse isn't there and can't provide the intervention yeah. is then what I was talking about yeah. when I would see that elderly resident who was, you know, coming in with the high respirator or low yeah. SATs yeah. who, you know, was just basically bundled up on an ambulance trolley and sent to hospital because yeah. the carers that are left in the facility don't know what to do. Yeah. Our residents, because we're getting older and we're living longer. Um, residents in our aged care facilities have complex chronic conditions. So they, they, um, the providers then say, oh, we need more money because we need complex um, care for our residents. And yet when it happens, when it's on the floor, it doesn't really reflect that. That's why uh, it's really good to have financial transparency and accountability because before the HK Act was introduced, if they didn't, because the the money tied to care was quarantined. Yeah. It's separate from the other expenses. So if they the providers didn't spend all that money on staffing, they have to give it back. Mm -hmm. So there is that impetus to spend that money on staffing. Yeah. So, but because they, with the HK Act of deregula deregulation, removing the transparency, this is all when it's just eroding away now. And it's happening. And the Royal it, Commission it definitely is. That. And even as we talk now, I think, yeah. you know, how do you jam pack all of the issues of aged care into a half an hour podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, the thing that um, struck me out of the Royal Commission that I think people are finally starting to understand is that the years of deterioration across the sector have landed in a place now where uh, people's human rights are are really not even being considered anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know, when we've got residents in a facility who can't get access to food or water, yeah. you know, or don't get a shower for days yeah. on end um, or lie on the floor because they've had a fall and yeah. no one can get to them. It's you heartbreaking. Know, it is heartbreaking and it is about human rights. Yes. And, you know, aged care is healthcare. And if yeah. we care about people's um, human rights, they should have access to healthcare. Yeah. And I think the providers have done a really good job of mm. making it sound like aged care is not healthcare because it's someone's home. And so, you know, the requirement to have policies and processes in line with health standards hasn't yeah. been really, I think, on, on front of mind for a lot mm. of the regulated, you yeah. know, the regulatory bodies. And yeah. we're seeing all of the outcomes of that now. Yeah, and with the COVID pandemic, that just exposed it even more. And, it sure oh. did. Let's talk about COVID. So yeah. what have you seen um, happen in aged care over the last two years? Okay, um, COVID pandemic, it's quite a, um, it really exposed the, the flaws that we have been calling out for to be fixed. And um it started off with, um, you know, the we've been left behind with the vaccinations, uh, with the aged care staff. We were waiting to be vaccinated, and then when we waited for it, then we were at the, we were left with the leftovers, 
So not many had been vaccinated. Despite all that, people continued to work in aged care, whilst uh, most of the non-essential workers staying home, uh, aged care workers still continued to work despite that. Um, and then what happened next is the rapid antigen testing, the PPEs, it was just chaotic. Um, we were, um, you hear a lot of stories from other facilities where they didn't have enough gloves, they had to reuse masks. So this is all an eye opener for the government to take heed because this will not be the first pandemic, there'll be more, we should be preparing for um, things like this to happen again, rather than being, being a reactionary government. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And look, from my perspective, um, obviously we were sort of two years into the pandemic essentially. So by January, we were uh, at the association, we had officers out ringing and going and visiting where possible to aged care members. And even in that, the peak that we had uh, here in New South Wales in January, we were hearing stories of aged care workers who hadn't received boosters, their residents hadn't received boosters. They had such few staff that they were having to go from a COVID positive patient to a COVID negative patient without changing PPE because they were so short staffed. They had no capacity to cohort patients, you know, positive patients and negative patients in separate areas. So in some places they had positive and negative patients sharing rooms. And at that time when we didn't have, you know, uh, boosters on board and you know it just it was just complete madness and we still have most facilities that have not been fit tested so people are wearing masks that might not be the right fit for them uh you know it just it, it just the mind boggles and you know to constantly see uh this government this federal government get up and say we've got aged care under control we're providing leadership it's just so far from the reality yeah. of what our members have been telling us and and picture this if there's no registered nurse on the floor um and you we're only and they're only left with the aged care workers who's going to mentor them about infection control on how to wash your hands properly on how to don and doff your ppes yeah. It is just chaos. And what is so tragic about it is because this is costing human lives. Yeah. Just this year alone in January, we have over 500 deaths, COVID deaths. That yeah. uh, is even more than 2020, the whole of 2021. It's yeah. heartbreaking. These people are our loved ones and we should be uh, caring for them just like everyone else in, the, in our society. And look, infection control, I think, is one of the, the biggest concerns that we have in relation to aged care. You know, exactly as you said, there will be other infections. Who knows what's coming after COVID? But we had gastro in aged care as well before COVID. And we would see outbreaks like this spread through facilities like wildfire. And it's just, again, the mind boggles to think that in today's day and age, people um, are not able to sufficiently kind of uh, you know, isolate infection and shut it down uh, to prevent other people from becoming unwell, particularly when they're so vulnerable like yeah. they are in aged care. Yeah, exactly. Because we have um, a protocol. You have a flow chart. If you have an RN there and you've, you're, you've got 
HK workers reporting that this is so-and-so has gastro. How many have we got so far? Then it's the registered nurse who then implements the measures on how to stop the spread. So it's very important to have registered nurses on the floor 24-7. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also important that you have enough staff to do the work, right? So when we hear stories of facilities that have one registered nurse for 150 residents and, you know, one care worker or AIN to 20 residents, it's not surprising that people make decisions that they can't change gloves. You know, they've got to go and pick up someone off the floor before they change their infection, their infected um, PPE. And that's where mistakes happen. That's where breaches happen. Uh, so, it, you know, staffing is so critical to really seeing a change in this sector, isn't it? Mm, exactly. Exactly. Definitely. So let's talk about the change, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, we can see where government policy currently is at. We've had the Royal Commission. The current coalition government has indicated that it supports the Royal Commission recommendations, but really in terms of changes, uh, the federal coalition has offered for um, some mandated minimum staffing minutes, uh, no requirement for RNs 24-7. They've committed to RNs 16 hours a day, mm. uh, but that won't kick off, I think it's until 2024. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really they've fallen short on yeah. every possible requirement, despite the Royal Commission recommendations just so being so abundantly clear about the problems in aged care the government yeah. really has failed to address those those issues haven't they yeah and i don't understand why why not why why are you doing this i i don't understand because if you are a responsible government you hear this um people dying in aged care we have had a royal commission so there's no excuse there's a pathway there why, why are you dragging your feet? Yeah. And it's so, it just makes me so angry. Look, and I don't know that we'll ever understand, to be honest. I think yeah. I've given up trying. So. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, yeah. what we have got is the opposition government, Anthony Albanese's government, uh, if they're elected, offering to really reform aged care. Yeah. Um, and so do you want to talk a bit about what they've given commitment to? Oh, my gosh. Um, they, they're going to put care back into aged care. I was listening to Mr. Albanese's speech, uh, his pre-budget reply, and tears were just rolling down my eyes because he's going to put, he said these lines, he's going to put security, dignity, and quality back into aged care. Finally, we have a political leader who's got the guts to do something about aged care. And all those things that we have been asking for, mandate minimum staffing and skills mix, registered nurses on the floor 24-7, to uh, legislate the ratios, to improve wages and conditions of aged care workers, and to improve the quality of food that our residents are receiving, and to put transparency and accountability back into aged care. Now, these pillars that um, Mr. Albanese has mentioned are structural reforms. They will 
fix age care right from the base, right at the foundation, not just ban aid fixes, which don't work, which are just a waste of money. We need someone who's responsible, who will really fix age care. And these are the recipe. This is the ingredients to fix age care. And I'm just so excited. And I pray that they will win because this will transform a lot of lives. Our loved ones. This is transformative. It's just making my hair on my arm stand up. <laughs> Look, you've done such a good job of explaining the difference that it will make. Um, for listeners that it might be cringing about the fact that we're talking politics and we're talking party politics, can you help them to understand how politics really influences aged care and why you think it's important that third parties like the Nurses Association make decisions to support and really amplify um, different pieces of policy from different governments? Mm -hmm. Politics, I know a lot of people would say politics, that we shouldn't be involved in politics. Now, I'll give you an example, the Age Care Act 1997. And look at what this has done to a lot of people. We have a Age Care final report, interim report, entitled A Shocking Tale of Neglect. Now, this policies that uh, Mr. Albanese has introduced will transform a lot of lives, our loved ones. We will not be spared from getting old. We, it will be our mothers, our fathers, our aunties, our uncles, our neighbors. We need to fix aged care because aged care is, is a, a part of healthcare. We need our residents in aged care to be looked after just like everyone else. People in there suffer from complex chronic conditions and we need nurses to look after them. We need proper mandated staffing and skillsmiths. So they will be given the respect and dignity that they so deserve. People in these aged care facilities, they help build this country. They deserve respect. They deserve the best possible attention. They are not just numbers. They are human beings. And we as a union should preserve the, the human rights of these people. And you know what? As a union, I am so proud to be part of the New Southwest Nurses and Midwives Association because we are making this world a better place. So couldn't agree more. Yes, let's let's. You know, people malign unions, but it's because of unions that we have a society. If we keep on giving the economy, it's, 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 there's a very odd balance here where it should be the economy serving the society, not the society serving the economy. We, and with this, we have to be active and put our foot down and say, hey, we are serving the people here. This yeah. we are made out of people here. It's not money. It's not all about money. It's it's our it's us. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And look, as a union that's not affiliated with the ALP, uh, you know, I think you and I can both talk to the challenges that council um, talk about and the deliberations when it comes to us making a decision to support a party policy. Um, you know, we, we never take that decision lightly. It's a pretty tough decision to make. Yeah. But yeah. Um, the discussions that we had at council in relation to the association supporting the ALP aged care policy really demonstrated that we all felt this was the first realistic chance that we've ever had to really reform aged care yeah. because aged care is just so uh, disorganised, I suppose, yeah. and, um, you know, people are, that work in that sector, our members in that sector are just... Yeah. Uh, are so um, downtrodden yeah. that trying to win site by site improvements just feels so far from reality. And so if we can have a political solution to what is a political problem, you know, yeah. aged care has become so, so um, awful because of mm. previous decisions that have been made, political decisions that have been made. Uh, so really we do need a political solution that yeah. is going to really reform the sector in, yeah. in a big systematic way. Yeah. Um, and I know that that makes a lot of members uncomfortable. Uh, so, you know, we welcome lots of conversations about that, but I think it's really interesting to hear from yourself as an aged care member you're not an ALP member are you no no I'm not Neither am I so yeah. I think for those of us that are seeing an avenue for us to really um uh, campaign on an area that impacts our members and their residents um we think that this is a really a really meaningful solution that we can potentially get behind that will show uh that there can be real reform for aged yeah. care yeah and with, the, with these policies that have been introduced by Mr. Albanese, this will recruit nurses and, and aged care staff and it will retain them. And that's what we need because chronic understaffing is the cause of all these issues. So he, Mr. Albanese is treating the cause, yeah. the, the cause of the, the, the why it's in this state. And look, there's been a lot of critique in the media about, you know, you want these extra nurses, where will they come from? Uh, do you have anything to say about that? Yes, well, when you when you improve, you know, so many, I've worked in this industry for so long, and often the, the reasons that I hear why they live and in such, they're so heartbroken of living the, the career they love. It's because they've been put in that situation because aged care now is in a crisis. The, the, the workload has became, become too much to bear that they've left and they decided to look somewhere else because they've been hurt. They cannot bear to see what's going on with the residents who they care for, that they cannot give that care that they want to give. So by giving us safe workloads, by giving us decent wages and support, I am so positive 100% that they will come back. ANMF has estimated that we only need over 750 registered nurses in, um, in aged care. The 2020 workforce census said that 239 nursing homes in New South Wales, Queensland, South Australia, and Western Australia have more than um, have already have got RNs 24-7. And we, we also have graduates. That's an opportunity for graduates to go and give uh, aged care a go. If those conditions are um, 
are alleviated the workload and and the staffing i am very sure they'll come back yeah, and look, I think this is a, um, a problem particularly felt in New South Wales. Mm. So just for the listeners, you know, across the country, there are slight variations on aged care um, that we see state by state. And here in New South Wales, we have one of the uh, most privatised models. There are mm. very few public aged care facilities here in this state. And consequently, we here in New South Wales have um, the most facilities that don't have RNs 24-7. Mm. So if we see a big introduction of um, new registered nurses required in the sector. I think New South Wales will really benefit from that injection um, as well. But, you know, there's no doubt even with the introduction of care minutes, we're going to need to find more carers, more AINs, Mm -hmm. and we're going to have to train them. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to fall out of the sky. But it's really interesting when the government announced, you know, increased funding for the Defence Force and said, you know, we will need to train more people and introduce them through the Defence Force. No one batted an eyelid about that. And yet when we say the exact same thing that would be required for aged care, all of a sudden, you know, it becomes the, the narrative that runs is that it's just too difficult to get nurses and you won't you won't be able to do it. And that's just not true. Like we have got nurses registering mm. to become nurses at record levels. Uh, the problem we have is that they get through their course and they get out into the workforce in both public and aged care and the conditions are so bad that they don't stay or they reduce their hours. Uh, so we have to find ways to keep people in this sector and to make their work meaningful so that they get job satisfaction, which is what they came into the sector um, and the profession for in the first place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what will it mean for you if we get a, um, an ALP government announced on the 21st of May and you get to start seeing some of these um, measures implemented in your workplace. What will it be like for you and for your residents? Oh my God, this will be so significant because all of us in aged care will have more time to care, give quality care to our residents, have a time to chat with them, you know, Um, not just rushing all the time, um, we will have time to to spend time with them, take them for a walk in the garden, just make their life meaningful. Um, it is their last journey, and we want to make it dignified and respectful. And I think with this, we will achieve that. So that's what's on the line right now, isn't it, right? The ability to be able to offer that social support and, you know, the very basic nursing care that sometimes we can't give. And those are not big glamorous wants. (laughs) But when you can't do it, you can see, you know, how um, devastating it is, I think, for the residents, particularly when they don't have family that visits, you know. The staff become the the very few people that they get to visit and see. And with the COVID, the COVID pandemic, you know, they're, they're on their own in the rooms. Yeah. And you feel like you want to stay there and just have a chat, make them feel better, talk about the, the old times and make them feel like they're, they're not just existing. With these changes, we're going to make them feel alive again. 
Absolutely. And I think that's well worth fighting for. So uh, I know I'll be out um, in the on the campaign trail, uh, working in lots of different um, areas where I've got some particular electorates that we're really spending time working um, in to really try and um, uh, help to get, you know, the message out there and really demonstrate what what reform can be achieved in aged care. So yes. uh, if anyone's interested in getting more involved, we'd love for you to get in touch with us. You can email us at gensec uh, at nswnma.asn.au. We'll pop it in the show notes. Um, and, you know, we'd really love for anyone that wants to see aged care reform, go and talk with your local branch, regardless of what, whether you're public sector, private sector, aged care, there are um, lots of meaningful actions that people can do in support of the work that the aged care um, members are doing as well. Well, thanks so much, Jocelyn. I really appreciate your time today. It's um, my think, pleasure. <laughs> it's been, you know, I think your activism truly is something to admire. And Thank I really hope we get that amazing win on the 21st of May. Oh, yeah. And I, <laughs> and oh, I hope yeah. that you can uh, deliver the care that you're so desperate to deliver because yeah. it's going to make such a difference to people's yes. lives. I'm praying very hard. And I've been volunteering as well. Um, there is... Claire O'Neill, the Shadow Minister for Aged Care, is going to be in uh, Hawkesbury on the 5th. So I'm going to attend that as well as volunteering for leaflet dropping. Lovely. Yeah. And these are the small, you know, types of actions that we can do, but all of them will help to make a difference to help the community understand how to use their vote wisely at this next election uh, and to really understand where each of the parties are on aged care. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time, Jocelyn. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Shay. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be right back after a quick word about the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association Member Advantage Scheme. Did you know that as a member of the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association, you can save thousands of dollars a year through our Member Advantage program? Your union membership gives you access to discounts for everything from groceries, white goods from the good guys, holidays, and even a new car. You can access it through your Member Central portal. And if you're not yet a member, join today by going to nswnma.asn.au to enjoy the benefits straight away. That's it for this episode of The Shift with Shay. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jocelyn and look forward to seeing you in a fortnight with more stories from the world of nursing and midwifery. Don't forget this election is your opportunity to have a say on the future of aged care, so make sure you make it count. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow the association on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn so you can stay up to date with all our services and campaigns. This podcast was recorded on Indigenous land. We acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening to this podcast. This land was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land.